This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And we are coming to you live from the Quicken Loan Studios. National Mortgage Lender Quicken Loans. Apply simply. Understand fully. Mortgage confidently. It's the Ken Carmen Show on CBS Sports Radio. 855-2124-CBS. 855-2124-227. Folks, if you're on social media at all right now, I'm going to get to the Steelers in in earnest here in a moment. I'm going to get to Mike McCarthy. Plus, we have the college football players. We've got a lot to accomplish in the final two hours, I promise you. And we got sounding off coming in like 40 minutes. I have to bring your attention to something. If you're on Twitter, if you're on social media, this will be up there. At, you'll see this at some point on the Internet. Yeah, hopefully you will. You might not want to, but it's for the sake of conversation. So the Steelers are in the middle of their football game against the Chargers today. I'll break this down, then I'll actually break down the sports. There was video, part of my take on Twitter. They put it up there. There's video of a fight between two Steelers fans in the stands. One, they're all wearing jerseys. My God, no one wears more Steelers jerseys than Steelers fans. No one wears more jerseys than Steelers fans. So the the older guy, go with me on this, Ryan. The older kind of gray-haired guy, he looks older than the guy who he's about to fight or trying to fight, is wearing a Troy Polamalu jersey. He's on the right. Let me explain this for you in your head. Then you have a guy, he's wearing a Steelers hoodie, a Steelers hat. At the very beginning of the video, the guy looks like Tony Romo, actually. Does he not? A little bit like it, absolutely. He looks like Tony Romo. So basically... <laughs> I, I mean, what, what does the guy on the right look like? So I can explain this. You have Steeler fan Tony Romo. And then you have, I would say, maybe Ron Perlman. But That's like a fat. Good description. Yeah, but like a fatter Ron Perlman. And they're, they're in the stands. And from the very get-go, two seconds in, Tony Romo takes his hat off. They are face-to-face. Things are about to go down. Things are fisticuffs. Then, I'm saying in jest, Tony Romo, not the real Tony Romo. Then Steeler fan Tony Romo cocks back for just a quick second, comes forward, headbutts Fat Ron Perlman, and down goes Perlman. Four rows up at Heinz Field. He is down, but he's back on his feet. His girlfriend takes a couple of, like, little half-hearted swings because I think she's surprised. The whole gaggle surprise after the initial headbutt, Big Ron Perlman gets back in. He tries to take a couple of half-hearted swings, but he is out of it. I mean, he has lost this fight. This fight would be called. There's a couple of people pulling back and forth. They're holding on to beers. They're holding on to food. They're trying to break it up. It's all a half-hearted effort. Meanwhile, Big Ron Perlman starts to get into it again. Now they'll start to yell at Ron Perlman. Now they'll start to yell at Big Ron Perlman. Rob Perlman gets pushed back. His girlfriend goes with him. A couple of more fans are with him. Now he's getting yelled at to stay down, to stand down. Rob Perlman still, is still kind of going after him. He looks like he should be bleeding. 
and the camera never goes back. It doesn't look like it's going to go back. It doesn't go back to Steeler fan Tony Romo. Steeler fan Tony Romo's out of the picture. Now Pittsburgh's finest are in the, are in the picture, and then it, it cuts off. I ask you this, the entire reason I brought this up. America, Hickey, how many fights? You've never been in a fight, right? I have not, no. Never been in a fight. Um, Kaplan, we got you? Kaplan, get on the get on the mic. Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Yeah, Kaplan, you ever been in a fight? No, of course not. Okay, neither of you have been in a fight. No. Now I've been in a fight when I was a kid. I'm a grown man. I've been in a fight in a long time, and I don't intend on it. Plus, I'd never intend on getting drunk enough to get in a fight in the stands at a football stadium. But I know that people do every single week. I have been in my youth, in my youth, not not to condone such matters, been in many a fight, many scraps. It has never ever cross my mind to perform a headbutt or that I might be in a position to defend a headbutt. The only time I've ever seen a headbutt ever has been in a movie. That's it. Like Jean-Claude Van Damme or like a real gritty TV show where some badass walks up. There's always some Jason Statham type badass and he walks up and headbutts some guy and knocks him clean out. That's it. Like I've never seen that in real life. This was this dude's first mode. Like he, the video starts within two seconds. He has the hat off and he's ready to do it. And boom, there he goes. Headbutt complete. Guy has to collect himself. Have you guys ever thought about that in your lives? No, which is why I give Fat Ron Perlman so much credit for even he got back, back up. up and he got Fat to go Ron Perlman got yeah. Fat Ron Perlman got back up. Went right back up, like, I'm up. Here we go. I've never in my life. Hey, Kaplan. Hey, first of all, if that is his girlfriend, he should probably propose like right away. That was a great it, move Yeah, by that's her. true. It Very might be impressive. His, I mean, it kind of looks like it could be his daughter. It might probably. Yeah, I'm calling it his girlfriend or his wife. It looks like it could be his daughter. Probably. For the guy who does it, I mean, for the guy who does it, such a, again, I'm not condoning such matters, America. What a badass move. That is, to me, that should clear the room. If you're willing to headbutt a guy, you're the real deal. You're the real, unless unless Tito Ortiz, Tito Ortiz is in that building, unless you got Ken, Ken Shamrock serving drinks, maybe everybody needs to leave that guy alone because if he's willing to start the matters with a headbutt, who knows where else he's going to take it. You start a fight with a headbutt, I think you know other stuff, and I need to get the hell out of there. If I can still even get my orbital bone ready to continue my daily life. What a power move. But anyway, yeah, the Steelers ended up losing that game. And I brought this up right at the end of the right at the end of the last segment. We had the great Bill Bender on. When I see the Steelers, I, I see the, the the Seahawks are a football team that, that fell apart this year in a lot of ways. Again, Russell Wilson keeps their head above water. He's a franchise quarterback, and he's proving he's one of the elite quarterbacks. The test for me for an elite quarterback is during your team while they're trying to rebuild their franchise, trying to rebuild where where the roster got old and you have to replenish your stock, will that quarterback keep their head above water? Will guys run the risk of being fired while that quarterback's there? And he's one of those guys that keeps people employed. That's why I put Russell Wilson above that. The Seahawks, though, I can't sit here and talk trash about the Seahawks. They won their Super Bowl. They nearly won two. But they got their job done. They they got a ring, and then it's always hard to put the confetti back in the cannon. 
And so when you look at that team, that was an extremely successful team. And then guys get a little older. They start to want some money. They see things from a different perspective. I understand that. I really do. I got nothing against Seahawks fans, the real ones. I got nothing against the Seahawks. I have no reason to trash or bucket mouth the Seahawks when we start talking NFL. Russell Wilson's done a good job. When it comes to Michael Bennett and and Earl Thomas and Cam Chancellor and, and the Bruce Irvin, the list goes on. When it comes to all those guys, you want money, get your money. You're only going to be around for a certain certain amount of time. You you played the game, you won a Super Bowl, you got the job done. Go get your cake. Go go get your cash. I'm fine with that. But when I see the Steelers, the infighting, the blame game, like what, what happened with Ben Roethlisberger just this last week, the blame game, the the culture, the overall feeling that you get. This is a team that acts like they've just won a Super Bowl without actually winning a Super Bowl. Like, Ben Roethlisberger's won two. He's, in his own right, he's a legend. Even though I disagreed with what he said, he got worked into a shoot, but I I disagree with what he said. But still, hey, he's won his two Super Bowls. He took a picture with the 10th anniversary team of the 2008 Super Bowl champion. He's got his rings. You look at the rest of these guys and and the conversations that happen. Maybe it's a Mike Tomlin thing. Maybe it's an organizational thing. But I see a group of guys that have talked that talk the way that Teams who have just won a Super Bowl do, where it's harder. They get that Pat Riley disease of me thing going on, and I just I, I don't understand it. Maybe it is a Roethlisberger thing. I thought Roethlisberger was crazy for what he said just the other day about, well, I have the, res- the, I have the reserve the right to criticize my teammates. I've earned that right about it. Hey, man, you're the one who threw the pick at the end. They're trying to run the right route. They're trying to do the right thing. You're the one who threw the pick. You're the one who nearly got beat by Jacksonville by throwing another pick again before that. You won. You won that game, but you nearly got beat by Jacksonville even throwing that pick before. There's something that's weird with Pittsburgh. And when you start to put the top teams in the AFC, because of their talent, I can't say that they're not one of those teams. But when you put them up head-to-head against te- against Houston, against the Texans, who do you think would win right now? You put them head-to-head against the Kansas City Chiefs. You put them head-to-head against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Or put them head-to-head against the P- Pittsburgh Steelers versus the New England Patriots. Who do you think ends up on the top end of that? You go down a little bit, there, there's questions about them. I'm sure Ravens fan will get in by the end of this. They've won, what, three in a row now? I'm sure Ravens fan will be thinking about that. So for Pittsburgh, anything less than a Super Bowl now is is a tremendous disappointment. You have one of the most talented football teams offensively. They'll bitch about the secondary, obviously. But honestly, offensively, defensively, at least with the front seven, you have one of the most talented football teams in the NFL. And you frankly have no business being 7-4-1. You frankly have no business being anything but legitimate Super Bowl contenders every single year. So maybe it's a Mike Tomlin thing. Maybe it's a Roethlisberger thing, which would make it even worse. Because I told you last week, he'll do something so stupid during a football game. And he'll do it at least once a quarter. That makes you wonder if there's not a person behind him telling him whether or not to breathe in and breathe out while he's walking down the street. But he reserves the right to blame his teammates. Of all these teams, there's problems with Kansas City right now with what's going on with Kareem Hunt. More on that coming up later. There's problems that we create at the beginning of the season with the New England Patriots and Bill Belichick and Tom Brady and the future of Belichick and the future of Brady and so on and what they do with their cap space and whether or not Rob Gronkowski is going to be healthy for another week. There's problems that are there. These teams find ways to get over it. Houston started out 0-3. They've won nine straight. 
The Chargers are the Chargers. They barely even have a home. They barely even have a home where anybody wants them. Phillip Rivers gets them on the right track. They got an offense. They got a defense. They're starting to roll it together. I think you would take, and not just with this game, the Chargers are taken seriously to this, and more so than the Pittsburgh Steelers. When you let these teams get in your way and you have that amount of talent, that's an utter failure. It doesn't overcome the two Super Bowls that Ben Roethlisberger won. It's not necessarily his full-on legacy. But when I see this group of Steelers players and that football team fall short, that's as ugly as it gets. Your football team that just won a Super Bowl, except you didn't even get to one. 855-2124-CBS. Mike McCarthy, we started off the show with this. Aaron Rodgers, I don't think, is 100% blameless in this, and I know America's going to disagree. People love Aaron Rodgers. People hate Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy has this dour look in his face all the time. He looks tired. He looks ragged. He gives you a blank stare anytime he does look at you. With his entire demeanor, with his entire face, he looks like an old pile of mashed potatoes. He looks like a whole bunch of mayonnaise left outside. He looks like a fast food manager who's about to tell you bad news about your coupon. He doesn't look like a lot of people like him. It's just flat out the truth. However, when I read snippets from an article like I read earlier this week from Sports Illustrated back on Thursday from the Monday morning quarterback, and I read this. Let me read this for you. McCarthy, like Rogers, quote, this is all quoted from the article. McCarthy, like Rogers, is an alpha male. When people familiar with the two were asked to describe their relationship, most said it's the def- defined by tension. Until this year, it was a healthy tension that lifted both quarterback and coach. In 2018, something has been different. McCarthy is the play caller, but because Rodgers is so intelligent and such a good improvisational player, the quarterback has the green light to change plays on the field as he sees fit. He does. So often that it can be hard for McCarthy to get into a rhythm as a play caller. McCarthy might call the same play three times a game without the play actually being ran as he called it. And if McCarthy calls a play that Roger doesn't like early, that can sour the mood for the rest of the game. Several sources familiar with the inner workings of the organization say that it evolved into a competition over who can call the better play and both want credit when things go right. This is understandable because of where Aaron Rodgers is. Today was his 35th birthday. Aaron Rodgers has been hurt over the last couple of years. He sees Tom Brady going out and winning a Super Bowl. He sees Carson Wentz winning a Super Bowl, Russell Wilson winning a Super Bowl. You have Patrick Mahomes turning the league on its ear. You have young, exciting quarterbacks like him, like Jared Goff. They're they're, they're changing the way we talk about the the league, and they're changing the way we talk about offensive quarterbacks. Drew Brees is 39 years old, and he just brushed off the loss to the Cowboys the other night. Eh, we'll figure it out. It'll be fine. Don't worry. Meanwhile, every single loss by the Green Bay Packers, the world is coming to an end. And that's back when they were competing. Now the pressure's off for the rest of the year. It's a lost season of 4-7-1, and and Mike McCarthy just got fired. But the pressure for Aaron Rodgers has become so great, I have to look at you and say, you're supposed to be the quarterback, you're supposed to be the leader of the team, and now you've won the power struggle. Because leading up until this moment, the pressure's been too much. The pressure of legacy, the pressure of having the franchise on your shoulders, the pressure of where you are in your legendary status compared with some of the all-time greats. We know he's one of the most talented quarterbacks out there. But at 35, how many more years do you have left? And that pressure has gotten Aaron Rodgers. When you don't trust a guy who's been the head coach of that football team since the beginning of your career, towards the end of your career, that's pressure mounting up. 
Because I know that Mike McCarthy is certainly not blameless in this whole thing. I'm not trying to absolve Mike McCarthy. There's times where voices fall silent. Changes need to be made. But you can't tell me, considering what this says right here, considering what we've seen already through this season, last season, and seasons before, where they've traded off play-calling duties with Mike McCarthy and some of his assistants, from what we read here with Aaron Rodgers, from what we've seen on television with Aaron Rodgers cussing at Mike McCarthy from the field. You can't tell me that all of a sudden Mike McCarthy forgot how to be a coach. He's all of a sudden gone stupid. He's all of a sudden got illiterate over the last couple of years. Really? For McCarthy, I think his next move, the best move he can make, a lot of people draw the comparison with him in Cleveland because of John Dorsey. I don't know if that's going to be the very best fit with him in Baker Mayfield. He's a very headstrong young man. I think his very best fit could be in New York with Sam Darnold after they let go of Todd Bowles. Young quarterback, malleable, they can do what he wants with him. He can shape him in the quarterback that he likes with him, and they could work together, and he could do things with Sam Darnold that he could live vicariously through him as the play caller and get that offense up in rhythm. But for Aaron Rodgers, if you're Green Bay, you've changed over your general manager, you've changed over a lot of your personnel staff, now you've changed out your head coach. I can't say I condone such matters all the time. You have a 35-year-old quarterback, he's near the end, you better let him make the decision. I don't know where you go. I don't know who becomes that next guy. Somebody called in. They said, Saban, it wasn't the craziest thing I've ever heard, and I can explain it to anybody who asks. But for Aaron Rodgers, at 35 years old, now that that he's got the the absolute power, he's won that power struggle with the Green Bay Packers, you got to let him make that decision. Three, four years, doesn't matter. You don't get another quarterback, you'll be out in the desert just like everybody else. You'll be ready to start anew. So if Aaron Rodgers has three or four more years left, and with those injuries, you don't know how many of those years are going to be great. That's why I think that he's worked up and so worried about what Mike McCarthy was calling. If that's going to be the case, if he has this much power, you might as well give the reins to him. Bring in candidates, let Aaron choose. If you want to get roses out and hand them to some of those guys out of a limo, you go right on ahead. Because now this is Aaron's team, and he'll live and die in the end of his legacy. His legacy's already in Canton. He's one of the greatest of the generation. But the end of his legacy, the way we see him at the end, the way we talk about him where pressure got to him or whether or not it was just the wrong coach for him at that point, this all lays in his hands now. 855-2124-CBS. Your call's coming up next. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. This is the Ken Carmen Show on CBS Sports Radio. Signing off, coming in a bit. 855-2124-CBS, 855-2124-227. What's the best thing for McCarthy? Was it all McCarthy's fault in Green Bay? The whole shebang. Chris in Baltimore, Maryland. You're first up on CBS Sports Radio. Go ahead, Chris. Chris, Chris, you there? I'm here. I'm sorry, Chris. You're breaking up, buddy. I know you're on hold. Hopefully you can get back in. Edward in Maryland wants to talk college football playoffs. You're next up on CBS Sports Radio. Go ahead, Edward. Hey, what's going on, buddy? Hey, Edward. Go ahead, my friend. Um, so first I would like to say thank you for having me on. Um, I know that, you know, radio is a 
sometimes easy but more than likely hard job. Um, I'm going to be starting an internship in Baltimore at um, Ravens and Orioles flagship station. So just don't be upset. Just Edward, don't be upset when you don't make no money at the beginning. You can, but you, know, you're gonna you're gonna be eating ramen noodles for a while. So go ahead, my friend. That, that, that's okay. Um, yep. So my thing is, I I would like to see college football expand its playoffs. And I would like to see them expand the playoffs to six teams. Here's why. I understand that people said Georgia, and I'm not saying Georgia had a case to get in as a top four because they didn't. Mm -hmm. But Georgia not getting in to the college football playoffs does kind of irk me a little bit because let's say they would have been that last team to get in as a sixth seed in the college football. They will have a chance to play Alabama again. And they will have they will have a chance to redeem themselves. And not only is it that, but why can't we just have six teams in college football playoffs and make it a little bit more longer and a little bit more interesting with other teams that could come in? I mean, you would legitimately probably have more upset in college football playoffs if you let two other teams get in that slightly missed it and have a chance to upset some other teams. Because I feel like the college football is made for teams like Alabama and Clemson. I mean, let's be for real. Every year, Alabama and Clemson is the one and two is the one and two seed, mm-hmm. and it kind of gets old, in my opinion, that it's always Alabama. And I get it that Alabama and Clemson, and even other teams like Oklahoma, you know, they bring in those good players. I get it, and they have a great recruiting department at their school, but. Why every year are we looking at Alabama and Clemson? Edward, you'll get it. You'll, one of these days you'll get it. it it's not going to be any day soon, I don't think, but one of these days you're going to get it. There's a, there's a thirst for it, and, and people will pay. People will see. People will, will pay money to watch it. The sponsors will pay money to sponsor it. There's just a couple of loopholes that have to fall through, Edward. And, and Edward, I thank you very much for the call. There's just a couple of loopholes that have to fall through. One, you've got to figure out what you're going to do at the beginning of the season because the NCAA – the NCAA obviously cares about Alabama and it cares about Clemson. But you have over 100 D1 programs. And in over 100 D1 programs, like you look at a school like UCF. I could pull up their charts right here over the last five years. It's amazing. UCF, over the last five seasons, you have a couple of 12 and O's. You have an 0 and 12 in there too. So you have a program that has had to go on the road at the beginning of seasons and collect checks from big-time college football programs and go get their asses handed to them. And that's normal for 99, 95% of teams that are non-Power 5. they got to go on the road. they got to play the big boys. They have to deal with a lot of problems, and they have to hope that they can get out of it. Like That's, that's something that goes with them. For, for a school like that, if you're going to start to say, well, if it's a 16 and an 18 playoff, the problem that I think you always run into is, is that you can't play 16 games in a season. So you need to march off with conference championship games, which do have major title sponsors who like to make money. You have to convince them that they're going to make more money sponsoring something else for you. You have to get them out of contracts. And then the other part of it is, is that I need to now figure out a way to chop those down. But if I do chop those early season games down, you have programs out there like UCF. Is UCF not UCF? Or are they UCF now if they don't have those major paydays at the beginning of the seasons in years past? Maybe, probably not. A lot of schools are not just paying for their football program. They're paying for their entire athletics budget. 
or most of their entire athletics, athletics budget on one trip to Alabama or Clemson or Auburn or something like that. So now you're getting out of chainsaw and you're cutting off a lot of athletics, not just football programs. So if you add more games to it, you can still protect those programs. You can still make more money, but then you have to find a way to play less than 16 games because you can't tie it up with the big boys because immediately the Jay Billises of the world, you got to pay the players. So the shoe that has to drop or the loophole that has to happen, the, the best chance you get at that is that the NFL expands to 18 regular season games. You do that, you'll be perfectly fine. College football goes to six or eight games. Everybody's happy. You get your eight teams in there, and then we can argue whether or not it's a better system. I still like four. I love the exclusivity of it, and I like to argue. I love to exchange ideas. I think that this is great. I'm having a blast. But I know for our watching pleasure, yeah, you have eight games or eight teams. You're going to watch those games. You're going to watch the hell out of those games. And there will be a lot of fan bases, not all of them, but most of the fan bases that are in that every single year, your Ohio State's, if there were eight teams, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Alabama, Clemson, a couple of others that would be in that running every single year, they're going to travel well. You'll always have a packed stadium. For the most part, you'll always have a packed stadium. So it'll do well. I think that some of the fears about that, I think they go away. There's more than a stadium full of of Ohio State fans or, or Oklahoma fans. I think they'll pick and choose it a little bit differently. There might be a group of them go, okay, if they get past the first round, we'll go to the second round and third round. Or we'll go to the national championship game. If it comes down to that, we'll put it all in that bowl and we'll do that. But there will be plenty of people who go to all three games if they were to do it. 855-212-4CBS. A little bit more on that. And signing off. This is the Ken Carmen Show on CBS Sports Radio. What did the coaches have to say after today's NFL action? It's time for Sounding Off. Hickey, let me have it, baby. All right, I'll try to give it to you. All right, he'll try to give it to me. <laughs> what there the, you go. There you go. What are the bigger surprises? Hey, hey give it to me. From Sunday's slate was the result in Lambeau, where the yeah. Cleveland Cardinals came in and beat the struggling Packers 20-17. Yeah. The loss essentially eliminated Green Bay from the playoffs. Yeah, it did. This game was pretty telling, though, as Aaron Rodgers and the offense continued to struggle in the same areas they found difficulty in all season long. And after the game, Rodgers tried to explain the reasons for those struggles. Well, we're just not executing well. And it's the same things over and over. It's red zone percentage and third down percentage. To tell you anything when it is the same thing over and over and those patterns emerge, to tell you anything about talent, about team, about whatever. I mean, it says a lot about uh, the execution. So I think that's all wrapped up into that. Um, I think we were we actually hit a couple of third downs early and then went a, a nice long stretch there without hitting one. So yeah, that's kind of been uh, the issue. That's why we're not scoring a bunch of points. We're not getting touchdowns in the red zone. Same story. Listen how calm he sounds. Listen how happy he sounds. You think he knew? You think he knew, Hick? I'm, uh, this was right after the game, right? Yes. So it is, did he talk before? Did, did Mike McCarthy even get a chance to talk to the media or were they just like, hey, no, he, pack he your bleep and get up. He spoke to the media, then they fired him. Yes. Oh, Jesus. That is a greasy move. You don't have any Mike McCarthy right after the game? Oh, heck, that's a bad deal, baby. That's a bad deal. So that's, so that's Aaron Rodgers talking about execution. 
He should have just came out and said, or we could fire the coach, which guess what, you guys? I heard they might fire him. They might finally fire him. I've been throwing them under the bus and everybody's been agreeing with me because I make great State Farm commercials here for the last like five years. And they're going to actually fire him this time because we lost to the friggin' Cardinals. The Cardinals aren't even as good as, as the Brookfield High School team over here. And we lost to them. And now I get to pick my own head coach. I don't know who I'm going to pick. It could be anybody who doesn't really have a spine or doesn't have a whole lot to say. Maybe I'll pick Jim Caldwell. He doesn't seem to say a whole bunch. Maybe I could go out and I could pick Wayne Fonts. He hasn't done a whole bunch over the last 20 years. He has experience with the entire division. Maybe John Fox wants to take one more. No, he gets in the way a little bit too much. What about that discount double check guy with the shirt off and with the cheese head on? Maybe he can be the head coach. Either way, I'm just going to work him like a puppet puppet regime because I'm going to turn into the Jerry Jones of the NFC North and I'm going to be the Kim Jong-un of the NFC North where everybody just does my bidding because I'm Aaron Rodgers and everybody's going to love me and they're going to hate whoever the head coach is. Is that not true? I think that's true. Aaron Rodgers, man, no one has it better than Aaron Rodgers. You got one Super Bowl. In your, one Super Bowl is hard to do. I love Phillip Rivers. Phillip Rivers has never even been to a Super Bowl. So I'm not using that against him. But the thing I point out is that he's had all this pressure, and now he gets to pick the head coach he wants. He can pick anybody. I'm serious. Go go pick Jim Caldwell. Jim Caldwell will be quiet. He's an offensive guy. He won't get in your way. You'll be perfectly fine. Mike Pettin's on that staff. Maybe you might make Mike Pettin the head coach. Hey, you know what? Now, I know I'm a bit of a homer. But I've been with Mike Pettin before. Hey, you know, let me tell you this. Hick, baby, you there? I'm here. I don't think that's a bad idea. I think that's one hell of an idea. D- d- let me let me put this on you, okay? I'm listening. He's the defensive coordinator, right? Right. He ain't got call plays on the offensive side. His last decent quarterback play that he had was Brian Hoyer. Back in 2014, they started off the season 7-4 and four in Cleveland. You might as well make it a statue of the guy if he's going to start the season off 7-4. and four. If I'm not mistaken, he probably still has that goatee. He probably still has that bald head. He looks like Stone Cold Steve Austin. I say that lovingly. So that automatically is a winner with the fans. He's going to stay the hell out of the offense. Aaron Rodgers doesn't even have to look at him and call his own plays. Is this a win-win or is this a win-win? I'll make it a win-win-win. You save money on paying an offensive coordinator. There you go. You save money on paying an offensive coordinator. Look at this. Green Bay, I just solved your problems. You're welcome, Green Bay. Next. The news that took the NFL by storm on Friday was a TMZ video of Kareem Hunt assaulting a woman in a Cleveland hotel back in February. The Chiefs cut Hunt later that day, and after the game, Mahomes was asked about his thoughts on Hunt, who was drafted in the same draft as, and if he saw the video or not. I've talked to him, uh, probably keep it to myself between me and him, but uh, I mean, yeah, we had a close relationship. Uh, I saw the stuff that happened, and I mean, we, do, we, don't, we don't do those things, uh, but at the same time, I just kind of focused on uh, our organization, the Chiefs, and I know we have to move forward and uh, keep going out there and winning football games if we want to have success this season. Just having Twitter and stuff like that, I mean, I have for sure, but uh, you, you kind of have to just keep going uh you know this season's a, a long season and we we want to keep having success so i'm focused on the guys here and uh, going out there and winning football games i i think that young man's in a lot of trouble right now i, I think kareem hunt's in a lot of trouble you want to put some lame on the nfl's doorstep you go right on ahead 
The NFL didn't know because the NFL doesn't want to know. Because that's what owners do. When you have problems in the NFL that are different, because, again, it's the same ownership group, and people, they can't believe this, but it's true. Most owners in the NFL, most sports owners in general, but especially in the NFL, you have a lot of younger guys in the NBA, so it's a little different. The demographics are a little different. But in the NFL, 80-plus years old, white, come from families with money, there's, you realize that a lot of these guys, some of these guys are 80-plus years old. They were knocking around back in the 60s. In the 60s, marijuana was the devil's lettuce. Not that this is condoned whatsoever. You could. There was really very little system. Of, there was very little talk of marital rape. There was very little talk of domestic violence. We talked about this with Joe Paterno where you can't condone it and you can't excuse it, but it was understandable where, hey, I told you, when I grew up with my grandparents and I go over to my grandparents' house, there was a guy who lived down the street, just stay away from his house. No one went and called the cops. No one went and made an expose of that guy. There was some weird creep guy who I was supposed to stay away from who died in that house, being creepy and being weird. There are so many things that another generation just didn't want to talk about. And so if it affects the bottom line, like it's the same thing with drugs and booze. You could pop all the pills you want. You could drink all the booze you want because they were popping pills and drinking a bunch of booze. But marijuana, oh, my God, the beatniks are smoking the devil's lettuce. We can't allow it around. And it had a bad connotation, man, because communists smoked it. And then that, well, you can't have communists going around you. So, obviously, it was a bad time because you don't want hippies playing for your football team. And so now these guys who grew up with that or were 30 and 40 and 50 years old, now they're 80 and 90 years old, and they see things in a completely different light, and they are out of touch. And so when there's something as bad as this or what happens with Kareem Hunt, they don't want to know about it. There's so many things that they want to act like they're proactive about, and they're not. We went through this with Ray Rice. You're telling me you didn't know there was a video or you didn't, if you're quote-unquote investigating this, if you're the NFL, there's a video you didn't go to anybody about this. You didn't go to the, the hotel and look for the video. You didn't talk to the woman about all this. Oh, I can get in the way of the business here. It's the, it's, it's the don't ask, don't tell of that generation. They are not as open as we are this generation. There will be a time things will change. And this could be the time because I think they're going to make an example of Kareem Hunt, especially after all this. Because now that we know there's a video and we see a video and they again say that we didn't know there's a video, which is the biggest crock of crap. You got a bunch of guys who are or ex-CIA and ex-FBI who are in charge of security for all these teams in the NFL. You're telling me you couldn't find a video there? That's the biggest load of crap I've ever heard in my life. You knew there was a video. You knew something was going on, and you waited and hoped that it would go away. That's what you did, because there have been videos that go away. There has been things that have been quieted down in the past. Don't Trust me, this isn't the first thing. You'd be completely stupid to believe that this is the first time this has ever happened. Hell, you'd be the biggest idiot listening right now. Oh, this is the first time that's ever happened? No, it's happened many times before. They knew there was a video. It's sad. It's disgusting. But it's true. And now they'll make an example out of Kareem Hunt. And I know a lot of people, well, she was saying racist things. I know it's horrible. I can't condone that. But that doesn't mean he needs to go out and do that. And I'll tell you why coming up next. Let's get to the final one. Go. All right. And lastly, the Panthers are streaking, just not in the right direction, as they dropped their fourth consecutive game, this time at the hands of the lowly Bucks. Cam Newton had a day to forget as he threw four interceptions against one of the worst defenses in the NFL. 
After starting off 6-2 and in prime playoff position, the 6-6 six six Panthers are now on the outside looking in. With the pressure now on Ron Rivera, the head coach addresses job security and how this team can get it out of their rut. I, I am not going to address that question. Do not ask that question again, please. Win. That's the only way. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, you, you give yourself a chance. You fight to the very end, you know, and um, you can you know look at it that the last few games we played have come down to the last opportunities we've had, whether it be on offense or defense, and you just got to make a play. And that's unfortunately something that we haven't been able to do right now. Make the play when it matters. <laughs> Ron Rivera addressed the media like I would address it when the student loan people call. Can you play that beginning again? Hello, Mr. Carmen. This is from Sally May. I'm not going to address that question. Do not ask that question again, please. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's when you know you're in a little bit of trouble. You don't want to answer a question? That means you're in trouble. Fantastic find right there, Hickey. Do not I don't ask know, that question again, please. I don't know how they fix that. I, I don't know how they fix that. I mean, that is, whoo, whoo. You got Cam Newton committing turnovers there. That was a team. The, the NFC South has been weird. The Falcons were streaking, and then they went up to Cleveland, and they've never found their way since. They're, they're lost somewhere in Lake Erie right now. The Buccaneers are a complete disaster. Jameis Winston's a lot to blame for that one. They're still not that good of a football team. You have the Saints that are just kicking everyone's ass in America with the exception of the Cowboys just the other night. It was a nice win by the Cowboys, by the way. And, and it's working. Cowboy fan, it's working. The the breastfeeding that Sean Lee is doing for Leighton Vander Esch, that's working. He's taking over that position. Well done. Just want to make that point just abundantly clear. <laughs> but with the NFC South, I mean, good God. You got a bunch of teams that are caught in their feelings right now. And Ron Rivera's about to get canned. And that is sounding off. Fantastic as always, my friend. Hickey, you did you y'all did yourself right there. You know that? Credit where it's due, my friend. Wow, thank you. Credit where it's due. You. Yep. 855-2124-CBS. 855-2124-227. Coming up, never forget who you are. For better, for worse, when it comes to college football. And I do care about what that woman said to Kareem Hunt. I do. It doesn't mean he can hit her. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.